Hi guys, this is Drew from the Cellcast. This is uh, once again another one of our TAS re-releases for our Star Trek Lower Decks coverage for season three, episodes four and five, uh, which are the episodes Reflections and Hear All, Trust Nothing. This originally appeared on our Polar Express episode, so uh, if you want to hear more, catch that. Uh, be looking forward to at the end of uh, after episode. After episode 10, be looking for our episode on the Star Trek Lower Decks Strange New Worlds crossover episode, Those Old Scientists. Uh, anyway, we'll catch you on the next one. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. and clip that on the twitch channel exactly <laughs> you just got into that so hard uh... <laughs> all right first episode of tonight for star trek lower decks we have reflections directed by michael mullen and written by mike mckayan mm -hmm. aka the creator of star trek lower decks wrote this episode nice in this episode, Mariner and Boimler work the Starfleet recruitment booth at an alien job fair <laughs> while Rutherford challenges himself. Yeah. Not wrong. Guest cast for this includes Carlos Alazariqui as a voice. Hmm. Georgia ah. King as Petra Aberdeen and a Bajoran outpost scientist. Ooh. Phil Lamar as additional voices. Jessica McKenna as the Cerritos computer and Barnes. Hmm. Carl Tart as Kayshawn and Carrie Walgreen as additional voices. Uh, this is the first episode in what I am currently calling the Alito arc. Mm. The reason for that name will become apparent later in the series. Okay. Uh, but I will mention that uh, elements of the episodes, terminal provocations and no small parts are perhaps part of what's going uh, on in this particular arc. Mm. If you remember, those are the two episodes featuring the character of Badgie. Ah. This is a little bit of a hint of what's going on. Mm -hmm. In this episode, younger Rutherford says that he funded construction of his own engine by winning Devron races. Mm. Older Rutherford box saying that those go through the neutral zone and are illegal. The Devron system was the location of the anti-time anom anomaly in the next generation series finale and was located in the neutral zone or in the scene set in the future, the former neutral zone as the zone was abolished prior to those events. It was a time travel episode. Ah, uh, the Delta flyer and accompanying racing uniforms are both taken from episodes of star Trek Voyager as Drew is holding a, <laughs> yes, I have a flyer, a Delta flyer Christmas ornament. Mm -hmm. Uh, the truthers suggest that Starfleet admirals are being controlled by alien butt bugs. Oh, gosh. Which Boimler dismisses as just a conspiracy. Mariner informs him that that actually happened, a reference to the penultimate episode of the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, titled Conspiracy. <laughs> However, the alien parasites in that episode burrowed themselves into the base of the host's skulls. They did not crawl in through their butts. Uh, so the Cerritos previously visited Tolgana 4 and Envoys, and Boimler's first mission aboard the USS Titan was to this planet, in no small parts. Young Rutherford's first attempt to escape from the Cerritos is foiled by Tolgana 4's ionic field, whose existence was established in Envoys. Hmm. 
Tendi asks Rutherford if his nightmare was the one where he is in a new timeline where Kirk and Spock, with Kirk and Spock, where they have cinematic chemistry. This is a reference to the three Star Trek films set in the alternate reality that is better known as the Kelvin timeline. Oh, okay. Or as I prefer to call them, the Abrams verse. Mm -hmm. Starbase 80 is referenced after the first, after first being mentioned back in season one episode, uh, Terminal Provocations. Anaphasic life forms previously appeared in the Next Generation episode, Sub Rosa. Hmm. Sub Rosa was the episode where Dr. Crusher fell in love with the uh, quote unquote ghost of a Scottish uh, lord that somehow made it to this other planet that her mother may have also had some kind of relations with. Oh, those kind of relationships. This was a bad episode. Oh, okay. Uh, Petra Aberdeen, glamorous independent archaeologist, is reminiscent of the character Vash. Uh, Aberdeen served on the USS Victory and references the, contra the controversy over whether Starfleet is a military organization. Mm -hmm. Rutherford's repressed personality asks Barnes if her trill spots go all the way down. Jadzia Dask was asked a similar question by Dural in the DS9 episode, Meridian. Huh. To answer the question that is probably going through your mind, they do. I thought so. Have you but ever not seen in, a cheetah? But not in the makeup booth. Uh. To generate interest in the Starfleet recruiting booth, Mariner says, prepare yourself for Warp 10 Excitement, which was the tagline for the novelization of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. She also says, discover the undiscovered country, which is a reference to Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Mm -hmm. Tindy has a pod plant with mind control pollen from Omicron SETI 3, previously encountered in the original series episode, This Side of Paradise. This is the one where Sp when Spock gets hit by this thing, begins laughing. Oh. Because he's over because his because the uh, pod plant causes him to lose control of his emotions. Oh. Joy for all, being a Vulcan. All of his emotions. Oh. Including oh. the ones probably not seen only being vaguely referenced in the 60s era television show oh oh gotcha with ladies obviously ah uh, live long and prosper indeed <laughs> and this wasn't too far from a mock time where those same kind of tensions caused him to fight kirk but anyway uh when mariner expressed the express yeah when mariner explains the process of signing up for a starfleet as a non-commissioned officer she mentions starfleet technical services academy the training facility was first mentioned in an Okudagram readout in the Next Generation episode, Eye of the Beholder. Mm -hmm. Okudagrams are the things that were put on the uh, screens on the Enterprise D Yeah, that obviously were not video, but they needed something to go there. Mm -hmm. And it was the general design of that little L-Cars uh, interface. Yeah. And it's named after uh, Michael and Denise Okuda, who mm -hmm. did most of the designs for the show back then. Got it. Just to put that out there. Uh, Starfleet accepted Cassidy 8 Cisco's reiteration of Benjamin Cisco visiting her in a vision to explain what had happened to him and his role with the prophets of Bajor going forward. It's quite possible that the logs of Worf, Ezri Dax, Julie Mishir, and Odo, who were present then, uh, or present when Cassidy related her vision to Jake Cisco, contributed to this. This is referring to when they talked about when the when the truthers ask if the Starfleet's ever going to explain what happened to Cisco. Oh yeah, they, yeah. And they say he's working hard at the celestial temple, and they go, "Yeah, right," because that's not a temple; it's a wormhole with aliens living inside it. it. Just don't tell the Bajorans that. Yeah, you might get punched uh, by Maybe. Shax. <laughs> that's right. He is one. He's a Bajoran. Uh. This item, the items featured at the Collector's Guild booth include a painting done by Data of his cat Spot from the Next Generation episode mm -hmm. Inheritance, a Cotiscot board seen on that has been seen on Voyager uh, episode Infinite Regresses, Infinite Regress, the Bajoran Reckoning tablet from the DS9 episode The Reckoning, mm -hmm. a Space Fun helmet that was originally a toy that came out during the 60s by Mego Toys and mm -hmm. was previously seen in the Lower Decks episode No Small Parts. The Stone of Gaul from the Next Generation episode Gambit Part 2, 
and two data bubble bath mix bottles last seen in the Lower Decks episode, an embarrassment of duplers. Mm. The way Rutherford's younger self shows him that his memory of how they got their implant and says, remember, mirrors the scene from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, where, Kurt, where Spock used in mind mode to transfer his Katra into Leonard McCoy. Mm -hmm. The Starfleet, the episode features six different Starfleet uniforms, the most to ever appear in a single episode. Uh, basically, it's the next generation uniform, the, uh, sorry, the original series uniforms that we see on the uh, stand, the, the picture standy mm -hmm. thing. Uh, the next generation uniforms, the DS9 uniforms, the inner, the Voyager, or, or, I'm going to call them the Voyager uniforms because the DS9 uniforms and the first con post first contact uniforms are seen you know the the ones with the dark blue mm -hmm. thing and then of course the lower decks era uniform plus the racing uniforms from the star trek voyager episode where they raced the delta flyer i don't remember which episode that was uh the computer mentions that rutherford transferred to the cerritos on starbait 56329.4 which would place it between the events of the voyager episode endgame which was that series finale and star trek nemesis mm. these are next to each other in if you're watching the episodes in chronological order yeah because there is no star trek that takes place between those and that brings us to me to the end of the, tri the trivia for this what are your thoughts on this episode this is an interesting episode i love that they go deeper with rutherford's past and actually ex do try to explain the implant yeah and how it it malfunctions because it's been malfunctioning most of the season it's been malfunctioning since episode one. That is true. It has. So, and like, it starts to explain things a little bit more. Be like, who was Rutherford before the accident? Uh, or was it an accident? Was it sabotage? There again, I don't know what happens at the end of season three uh, or season two going to season. Or this is season three. This is season three. This and season I will go ahead and tell you that this is an accident that causes him to have to get the implant okay that's what i thought because it does imply that at the yes. end of the episode an accident does occur in this and it's uh why he gets transferred away from what he was working on with them yeah which there again i'm intrigued because i don't know who these people are i don't know their motivations behind it so i'm gonna be like drew when it came to when we were watching rapunzel's single adventure and you just discover things as they happen I do have my theory who this got this mysterious admiral captain whoever this guy is be like I've got a I've I'll be like I think I've see, I think I see him in the next episode I might be wrong I might be right maybe but we will discover that when we get there probably when we talk about the next episode probably <laughs> probably just curious if you kept up with the names I I said that's all yeah, I want to know um, you kept up with it <laughs> But I found it interesting. I found it interesting that it's uh, Rutherford gets basically locked in a coma, and that his personalities have to battle out to figure out who's going to be this the uh, the uh, the one left standing. And I, I love that there again it gives that revelation to what happened. We don't know everything that happened. I don't. Drew does. I don't know everything that happened. Well, what happened? I will say this: there is a there is three. There is some mystery as to what was going on involving all of that. Yeah. But I found that interesting. Uh, the the point where I nearly lost it laughing so hard was the the point of where they flipped the script is where Mariner and Boimler are trying to the recruit thing. And obviously Mariner is under the gun to get recruitment otherwise she's going to get booted not to mention act right and, act and not right. screw up or yeah. she'll get transferred to starbase 80 yeah boiler as under no such restriction right but i, I find it's where boiler is the one who loses it <laughs> when his when his uh his little tag or whatever you call that uh his rank pip his rank pit like gets thrown off and he loses his crap <laughs> and i like i'm sitting there like and he's like everybody have it <laughs> bold boimler strikes again <laughs> i love that I, I absolutely love that i was like but if you really do stop and think about it, it's like 
you just crapped on his rank. That is the worst thing you can do to this guy. That is true. He will kill you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Mariner, it takes about this much to set her off. Formler, it takes a lot. Definitely when you start talking mm-hmm. about his rank. <laughs> and then she's the one that's like, yeah, we're not really supposed to act like that. Well, that gives you the kind of self-confidence I want to join. Oh, yeah, that was even hilarious. And and the and the fact that the uh the number one throws him in the rank the the brig, and uh says, he, when you get out of here I'm gonna get buy you a drink yeah buy you a drink because that was like, awesome like am, am I gonna get sent to Starbase Are you kidding that place is a hellhole <laughs> <laughs> that was great I love this episode it was so well done and uh you, definitely you get more Rutherford which I'd be like it's Rutherford. Yes. And be like, you get more Tindy a little bit. You get a little Tindy here and there. Tindy's in the next one. Yeah, Tindy's definitely in the next episode. <laughs> that was interesting. We'll get to that in a minute. Yes. But I like this episode. This was really well done. And uh, yeah, let's get into the next episode. All right. Next episode. Uh, Hear All, Trust Nothing. Directed by Phil Mark Sagadraka and written by Grace Parajani. In this episode, the Cerritos crew unexpectedly spends a day on board the station Deep Space Nine. Uh, Fred Tadaskior, who voices Shax normally, mm-hmm. also in this episode is voicing Korzak, the delegate from the uh, Gamma Quadrant race. Right, right, right. Uh, Jillian Vigman plays uh, Karama Guard Number Two. Mm-hmm. Carlos Alas Alas Requi plays Les Buenamigo. Marin Dungy plays Wendy. Lauren Lapkus plays Jennifer Schreyen. Jessica McKenna is Barnes and Dabo Girl One. Mm. Gil Ozeri is the Ferengi Pit Boss. Adam Pally plays Mesk. Gabrielle Ruiz plays Castro. And Tian Tran plays Anya. Special guest stars for this episode returning from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, we've got Armin Shimmerman as Quark, Nana Visitor as Colonel Kira Norris. And Morn is himself. Who? Morn. He was there. Who's Morn? I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> Deep Space Nine is the second major setting to appear in the show right after Bozeman, Montana. This episode features the return to the station last seen in 2375 on the Deep Space Nine series finale, What You Leave Behind. Over six years later, Kira Norris is still in command of the station, while many of the Cerritos crew are excited to visit the famed station. Shax refers to DS9 as a tacky Cardassian fascist eyesore, referencing its ominous role in the Cardassian occupation of Bajor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nana Visitor reprises her role as of Kira Norris, marking the character's first appearance outside Deep Space Nine. Kira also last appeared in What You Leave Behind. Unlike most characters from the Next Generation era, Deep Space Nine and Voyager eras, who have reappeared in later Star Trek series, Kira still holds the same rank and position that she held during her last major appearance, being a colonel in the Bajoran militia and in command of the space station. Uh, Armin Shimmerman reprises his role as of Quark, who is still running his bar on Deep Space Nine. Quark last appeared in the Deep Space Nine series finale, What You Leave Behind, with his appearance in this episode, Shimmerman joins the rank of actors who have portrayed the same character in four different Star Trek series, as Quark also previously appeared in the Next Generation episode Firstborn, the Voyager episode Caretaker, as well as ultimately, uh, as, as well as uh, an old, a cameo ultimately cut from Star Trek Insurrection. Armin Shimmerman in this episode insisted on wearing his old prosthetic teeth when voicing Quark, feeling that they were essential to getting the character to sound right. Huh, makes sense. So Quark's bar went on Star Trek on Deep Space Nine was intended to be the equivalent of Cheers. Mm-hmm. And in Cheers, you know, there was a number of characters. Mm-hmm. One of them that was always had the big entrance, everyone loved him, mm-hmm. was the character of Norm. Mm-hmm. Norm was the drunk who was always there. And yeah. So when they made Deep Space Nine and they wanted this to be kind of like Cheers, they decided to create a character that was always going to be at the bar. And they did that by spelling Norm's name backwards or reversing the N and the M. So instead of Norm, it was Morn. Morn. 
Morn has a lot of episodes. It's actually the subject of a couple number of Deep Space Nine episodes. Really? The joke is, and I'll and I'll get to this more here in a moment, I believe. Uh, but despite the fact that we never hear him speak on screen, he's the most talkative person in Star Trek. Anyone who gets into a conversation with him, he will talk their ears off and they will wish they had never said anything. Oh, okay. This is even referenced in Star Trek Online when you go to Deep Space Nine as Morn's at the bar in that game. And when you go and try to talk to him, the screen fades to black and it tells you how you sat there hearing him talk on and on and on. You don't even know what he was talking about. <laughs> but he kept going on about the story and you couldn't find a way to get yourself away. It was It's a funny scene. Anyway, uh, the title of the episode, Here All Trust Nothing, is the 190th Ferengi rule of acquisition. Hmm. Ferengi rules of acquisition are essentially the Ferengi uh, scriptures. Okay. They are the rules a Ferengi is supposed to live by in order to get profit. Mm. So, and he actually mentions another one in this episode where, uh, well, he, he mentions another one at the end of the episode. I don't remember what it is. I apologize for that. Mm. Uh, with the appearance of Visitor and Shimmerman, this episode marks the first return of the Deep Space Nine characters since their series ended. Although previously a hologram of Odo made an appearance in Star Trek Prodigy episode Kobayashi, although only visible only via repurposed lines from the previous appearances as Rene Auberginois had died before that. All three actors also had reprised their roles in the Victory is Life expansion of Star Trek Online in 2018. Hmm. Morn, as I said earlier, is sitting at his usual spot at Quark's Bar. The character played by Mark Allen Shepard in Deep Space Nine has now appeared in 96 television episodes of the Star Trek franchise, having never said a word on screen. Indirectly, the episode references, uh, uh, there are indirect references in the episode made to Elam Garrick as a tailor, who was actually a Cardassian spy and mm -hmm. a major character, Jake Sisko, Sisko's kid, who was a junior reporter, mm -hmm. and Miles O'Brien with O'Brien's dartboard, who was also on, that character was also in The Next Generation, mm -hmm. and was the character referenced in the last episode when the guy says, the transporter chiefs ever end up on the bridge? And she says, well, maybe. Because O'Brien, when we first met him, was yeah. on the bridge <laughs> before he became transporter chief. And also, don't forget, O'Brien is the most important man in Starfleet, according to Star Trek Lower Decks. In that one episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this episode features the return of Vice Admiral Les Buenamigo, who was introduced in the season three premiere, Grounded. Hmm. Two previously unnamed characters are named in this episode. Naguyan, the captain of the USS Vancouver, who appeared in Cupid's Errant Arrow, and Wendy, who first appeared in No Small Parts. When the Cerritos arrives at the station, Dennis McCarthy's Deep Space Nine main title theme is heard playing. Mm -hmm. The ship then proceeds to circle around Deep Space Nine as the Bajoran wormhole <laughs> opens, mirroring the opening title sequence of the series. Just keep circling. As Ops is seen in this episode, the command center seems to be exclusively now manned by members of the Bajoran militia. This may indicate that Starfleet has a reduced role in com commanding the station, although Starfleet officers, such as Mesk, are still present on Deep Space Nine. It is revealed that Kira and Shaq served in the Bajoran Resistance together during the occupation, occupation frequently saving each other's lives. The Karima and the Karima ship make their first appearance in the Deep Space Nine episode Starship Down, which I believe was a first season episode. Hmm. I think that was also one of their last appearances too, but I could be wrong there. Uh, the Federation's gifts to the Karema uh, are Vulcan Port, which we saw in Deep Space Nine episode The Maquis Part One, Aldebaran Whiskey from the Next Generation episode Relics, Romulan Ale, first seen in Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan, and Galadorian Milk from the first episode of Lower Decks Second Contact. Mm. That's the milk, the bug creature. That's right. That was sucking uh, <laughs> Boimler yeah. for, I believe. Oh, yeah. This episode reveals that Quark has, Quarks has, has expanded his business to a whole franchise with 21 Quark's bars established by 2381. The extension of Quark's business was previously implied through the appearance of establishments in the Star Trek Picard episode, Stardust City Rag, and the Lower Decks episodes, An Embarrassment of Duplers, and We'll Always Have Tom Paris. 
Kira has not forgotten her baseball terminology, first learned as a member of the Niners baseball team and their game against the Logicians in 2375 in the episode Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. The baseball Kira is seen holding in her office is a reference to Captain Benjamin Sisko. It is presumably the same one he left behind in the Deep Space Nine episode, What You Leave Behind. When first approaching Tendi, Mesk is shown drinking a Modella Aperitif, a layered cocktail cork prepared for Jadzia Dax in the episode Dramatis Personae. Kirk, Shax, and Rutherford are each shown drinking one at the end of the episode as well, as it is as it's a specialty of the Quark 2000 replicator. Rutherford wants, wanting to sit with his legs dangling off the upper level of the promenade is a reference to the activity that Jake Sisko and Nog used to do watching passengers of various ships disembarking from the airlocks below. Mesk was adopted by humans and raised on Earth, and all he knows of Orion culture is based on hollow novels, apparently the very bad ones. This is similar to Worf's background, he too was raised by humans on the planet Galt and on Earth, mm. and only knew what he knew of his culture from reading about it mm. for until you know he actually got to be around Klingons. Although their romantic relationship has blossomed since first first contact, Beckett Mariner and Jennifer Schreyen share their first on-screen kiss in this episode. This happens while the Cerritos visit Steve Space Nine might not be a coincidence as their very first kiss between two women in Star Trek was shown in the episode Rejoined between Jadzia Dax and Lenora Khan. Hmm. It is further established that Mariner previously served on Deep Space Nine during the early to mid-2370s, which was first implied in We'll Always Have Tom Paris. Kira is shown to be friendly and familiar with Mariner, and the junior officer also still has an open bar tab with Quark from her time on the station. Or at least she did, because in addition, Mariner informs Quark that she possesses a copy of that hologram with your head on Kira's body, which was created in the Deep Space Nine episode Meridian in oh. 2371. In that episode, Kira warns Quark that if she ever catches him with a hollow imager, catches him point a hollow imager at her again, she would make him eat it. In this episode, Quark's, Quark ends up eating the chip containing the copy of the Kira program to prevent Kira from finding out what's on it. Although Kira herself was involved in making the alterations to the original hologram, it seems that Quark is embarrassed that Kira might find out that a copy of the program still exists. Uh, Tindy explains that she used the Karama security officer's tooth to magnetically decouple the propulsion controls. It has been established in Star Trek lore that latinum is a liquid. The golden strips and bricks seen used as currency are gold-pressed latinum, meaning the valuable liquid suspended inside the block is the valuable liquid is suspended inside the blocks of worthless gold because in Star Trek gold is actually worthless because mm. it's so prevalent in the galaxy. Yeah. Uh Since the security officer's tooth appears gold, it must have had a small amount of latinum suspended within it. This may have been done as a status symbol, though it is not explained why a, a caraman a, a, a who hails from the Gamma Quadrant would use an Alpha Quadrant currency as a, as a status symbol. Hmm. Which brings me to the end of the trivia for this. What are your thoughts on this episode? Oh, Tindy. Tindy, <laughs> Tindy, Tindy, Tindy. tindy. <laughs> Because the idea that Tendi was descended from a pirate clan was yeah. for, was referenced in uh, a previous episode yeah. where her and uh, Mariner go on a girl's trip uh -huh. to another planet and they run into a bunch of Orions or they actually go to a planet that she may have some connections to and she apparently is, still has a status among that, tri that group of uh Orions, because yeah. they refer to her something, she tells them to shut up. <laughs> and uh, she definitely still has her skills, as we see in this episode. Yes, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, definitely with the other Orion, is they're like, oh, I, just, I was raised on, I was raised on Earth, and be like, I knew nothing about it except for bad, you know, from bad novels, the ones with naked women on the cover. Yeah, it's like, of course, that was what you would learn it from. Of course, Orion but slave girls like when, are a thing in this when, universe. When, yeah, when she goes full Orion and just like just goes to town, <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. 
and then you get Boimler. Oh my gosh, Boimler with his little his little purse. It is a clutch, and it's feeling empty. I'm going all in. Brad Boimler is playing Dabo, and he wins so much. And he wins so much the, money. The end just, of it, where it's like, the, why take your dirt that dirty gold press latinum with you when you could get a gift card for double the price to spend at our gift shop? That's cool because we don't actually use money in the Federation. What? what? It's like you should know that. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That was great. Although I do need to get off on a small rant, if I may. Okay. I still believe the Federation uses money. Yeah, I agree. They do. They have to. It's just, it's not the current, it's not gold press latinum. So, of course, quote unquote, Bormler does not have money. But a lot of people are still of the thought that they don't have money. And the biggest, uh, I think I may have gone off on this rant before. You have. So I won't go too far into it. But I still believe there's money involved here. And so, yeah, Boimler probably doesn't even think about money because it's very obvious that Boimler probably has the same vast uh, resources mm-hmm. as Chateau Picard mm-hmm. with his raisin farm. Yeah. Apparently, grapes make you a lot of money in the Federation. Apparently. <laughs> in one form or another. Yeah. What was it? Well, is it grapes or raisins that uh, Boimler? What do you think raisins with? are? Yeah, They're dried grapes. <laughs> That is true. I was just asking. It was ra- It was a raisin it's farm. It's raisin. That's what I thought. Technically, uh, Picard's is a winery, mm-hmm. but they're both vineyards. That is so true. Uh, I, you know, kind of going back to that episode, it was more like like all these women are just like hating on Boimler. Still, people on the on the Cerritos was like, I think Boimler is cute. I, I, I think he's hot. Zeke is. He actually, he actually, is his hair is actually that color? Does he dye it? It's like a Mariner, shut them up, <laughs> please, please, shut them up. <laughs> I don't want to think about Boimler being sexy. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh, the that that that's that. Oh my gosh, oh, that whole sequence there oh. in the ship. I, I, here's the thing: the actress who plays Mariner, uh-huh. she was mad at the writer of this episode, really, because she's a big Deep Space Nine fan. And so the one time they get to go to Deep Space Nine, she ends up having to stay on the ship because the story demands it. And the writer had to say, this is a show. We have to write stories. And we need to have your character have moments with Jennifer and her friends. But because she did express that difficulty, that's why they did put Mariner in the last uh, they did rewrite the ending so Mariner could get to be on Deep Space Nine at least for a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Like it was, it was a good episode. There again, uh, uh, Mariner being Mariner, it's like, oh, I'm trying to play nice, and then it's just, oh, just be you, and it's like, oh, you like, just I've been, I've been looking forward to you kicking, uh, tearing these guys a new one all week. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> and it's just like, my gosh. I was like scared of her. No, it's just like, yeah, I agree with you. And there again, be like, like watching this episode, be like, there again, I am not the biggest fan of Mariner. I never have. Right. And uh like I understand why she's there. I understand why she gets away with everything. And I understand probably by the end of season three, she's out of it, she's out of everything. I'm 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 taking I'm not talking about the end of season three. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm making a, I'm thinking a mass uh, prediction that Mariner is at a Starfleet off the Cerritos, right. and then I'm, I'm, I'm only estimating that probably season four, it's like she's probably run off and goes, hangs out with that, um, that uh, I am actually, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. So that's my assumption. And then my assumption is that everybody like, oh, we miss Mariner. We got to get Mariner back. I'm like, just let her go. Please just let her go. I know she's the main character of the show, but I'm like, come on. We have so much better characters here than Mariner who gets away with everything. And she causes all the problems. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, saying anything. I, I know you're not. I know you're not, but you're implying a lot of things. <laughs> I've implied a lot tonight that I'm you hoping impl- you haven't thought too hard about. Probably not. Probably not. My, Especially but, about a couple other characters. Yes. 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 But it's I'd be like it's it's very telegraphed to be like yeah she's gonna get kicked off the 
kicked out of Starfleet, kicked off the ship, and she's going to go do something. And then season three, it's going to be like, oh, we miss Mary. Season four. Season four, whatever. And then it's it's going to be like search for Spock, but instead we, we search for Mariner. I'm like, actually, if we're following the logos, it will be the voyage home. Because the search, that's for, right, it would be because the, the search home. for Spock that's is right, kind of this right, season right, because right. of the mm-hmm. the the logos, and plus we are we did deal with more with Rutherford learning who he was, and that does that seem to true. be a central plot point for this season. Yes, it is. And that, that's going to be interesting. I've got an idea. Maybe who the the dastardly villain who did it. I have an idea. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold off my thoughts uh, for now. Okay. But um, yeah, I'm. I'm oh, looking- I I did forget to mention this is the second episode of the Alito arc. Second episode. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. Got it. I did forget to mention that, but this I would categorize this as the second episode. Yeah. I'm I'm betting so. Certain characters introduced again, and it's just like, hmm, I wonder who this guy is. Huh. I wonder who. Hmm. Uh, I'm just gonna say when I was when I originally watched this season, mm-hmm. I did not realize a certain character was in it as much as they are. Ah, okay. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was more there again. I think where episode season four is gonna go. It's going to be like everybody misses Mariner. Mariner is off doing some kind of adventure and getting into trouble with it like she normally does. And then it's like everybody's like, oh, we miss Mariner. And then you have all these great characters who are having great arcs. It's like we got to go find Mariner and bring her back. I would say Mariner growing up is is the central plot of the series. I agree with you. I agree. So her, I think. Her character growth in here where she's been forced, she's forcing herself mm-hmm. to stay in line, I think is very, there's uh, a lot of character growth for her. I as agree a with you. I agree with you there. I agree. Be like, the character has grown, but it's just more, be like, I'm, I'm wondering by the end of the series, I'm wondering if, if she's grown enough. Obviously, be like, obviously it's kind of foreshadowing that she's getting kicked off the Cerritos. And obviously she's getting kicked out of uh, Starfleet. And I'm more like, it's okay, how does that happen if we've got character growth? But at the same time, we know the projection where this character is going. I'm not telling. Oh, I know. I just did I did double check when a when I when certain episodes are, because I was curious how far we were away from certain events, but what I was thinking of is gonna be on the last week we reviewed, not on the next one. So Gotcha. Because we only got two more season, two more episodes of this uh, of this TAS review, mm-hmm. and then we get into X Men, which means I get to make another theme song. Yep. But anyway, anyways, enjoyed the episode. Uh, I am looking forward to see what happens next. What 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 uh, what transpires to the end of season three? Mm-hmm. And uh, w- do we know when season four is going to pop up? End of next year. End of next year. Okay. 2023. I believe that's what I remembered saying. I think it's like December of next year is when the meta is. But uh, my thoughts on this episode. Yeah, go ahead. This is a Deep Space Nine episode somehow. I don't just mean it takes place on Deep Space Nine. It's like they knew they were going to be on Deep Space Nine, so they kind of wrote it like a Deep Space Nine episode. Of course. It would be. Uh the return to deep space nine with the look of everything, the sound effects, uh, were I, the re cause DS nine has always had its own sound effects because mm-hmm. it's a different, it's not using the, the, the station is not Federation based for mm-hmm. the most part. It is Cardassian. It's designed. So a lot of the Cardassian, the, the sounds of the doors mm-hmm. are different. And a lot of the other tech, the sound of the Dabo table brought back, uh nostalgia for me believe it or not uh but the look of everything everything was immaculately immaculately Mm -hmm. recreated that we got to see i mean admittedly the only uh eras the only areas of deep space sound we got to see was a quick shot of the command bridge the the, of ops along with uh cisco's old office that's now kira's office Mm -hmm. and so the minute i saw that baseball I, I pick up that baseball. I went, oh, 
Oh, he's just right over there. It's not really deal. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, of course, we get to see Quarks. Uh, that that meeting room is one that uh, it looked like the same. They based it on the same set where most of the uh, War Council for the Dominion War took place in on Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine because that's where a lot of the major fleets met during the show. Mm-hmm. It was on Deep Space Nine that for the war. Uh, so it looked like that set, which makes sense. Uh, the corridors look like they came straight out of Deep Space Nine. They put so much more work into this episode than they've had to put into so many other episodes mm-hmm. to be to make it look and feel like Deep Space Nine. The only thing they did weird is they had an establishing shot of a sign for Quarks mm. that was not in the show. That shot of the of cork of, of the cork sign there mm-hmm. above the bar that was never shown in the show, hmm. and I doubt that sh- that sign was even there in the show. I'm sure that was built in after Cork uh, had a few uh, franchises under his belt. Mm-hmm. Though I would say it's not needed if we're yeah. being honest, because it's the original Corks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so much. Of the, I think the only the fact that Cork. You could I could tell by listening that Quark was that Armin Shimmerman was wearing the prosthetic mm-hmm. because he does sound different in with the Ferengi teeth in than yeah. uh when you hear him in other things, even though he's essentially using his regular voice. Mm-hmm. Uh I was like it, that it's he sounded just like he did on Deuce Sand. Kira's gotten a little older. Mm-hmm. Uh she she's gotten a little bit of a rasp in her voice mm-hmm. since uh, the end of the Dominion War. But I, it still felt it still felt uh she still seemed like a good character. Uh there's a lot of little things that add up to making this episode great in terms of what they were doing on Deep Space Nine. This was a great throwback to that season. And the the Tendi storyline is just made it all the much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I love seeing Tendi getting to be the pirate queen. Agreed. I'm assuming she actually is. Agreed. I'm assuming she's actually the queen of an entire empire, and she has run away. And she's run away to join Starfleet because she doesn't actually want to run it, or is at least the princess. And maybe at the end of everything, she's going to have to quit Starfleet to take her spot. Yeah, among uh, amongst the queen and become queen of the Orion pirates or something. <laughs> And she's gonna have to, because she, because uh, that's the thing. She's still, I don't, I don't. She doesn't really accept that part of herself. Mm-hmm. That's why she ran away to Starfleet in the first place, mm. I think. Um, so that whole part where they, uh, where, where she c- causes the ship to stop right at the mouth of the wormhole, mm. and it's, and the tractor beam was a Cardassian tractor beam. That's like that's a weird thing I know to gush about, but it was an orange tractor beam. Every other tractor beam we've seen on this show has been blue, but this was the orange one. It's like, yes, thank you. You're following the, what's supposed to look like you've done your homework. Because I've seen so many so many shows that are part of these things where they try to do flashbacks, older stuff. They just don't put the care in. Star Trek has sometimes not put the care in, especially yeah. when they're trying to reimagine what it used to be because who wants to see the 60s television set? It's like, we did in all the other episodes of Star Trek where they reshowed the 60s television set in the 90s. <laughs> but anyway, um they just were it, it really despite the fact it was animated, mm-hmm. it felt like a deep space nine episode. It mm-hmm. felt like they were out on Deep Space Nine. The from the second they come out of warp and you see the station, I was like, ah. Oh. I'm home. I'm where I was for seven years between 1993 and 1999 every Wednesday night or really Thursday. Cause we had to record it cause I was at church and we'd watch it the next day right. when we were eating dinner, but beside the point, <laughs> and there was very few of those episodes I missed. And the few I did were stuff that I didn't need to be seeing at that age. Hmm. I'll say it that way. But this, the, this put so much care into this. And I love all the little comebacks. This was just the most fun episode for me. And it helps that it's actually a great episode in general because you, you didn't know half the stuff I've talked about. Exactly. With Deuce Sun, and you enjoyed this episode. So I like how it's a good episode. It, it, it fits well and the, with the attention to detail, and you don't have to know Deep Space Nine to get the episode. So, yeah, I, I really did enjoy this episode. I 
am kind of hoping we'll get to see more like classic hero ships going forward. Mm. Uh, I, the Enterprise E is out there somewhere at this point because I don't think Picard has stepped down from command of the ship yet. Mm. But I could be wrong on that because I don't remember exactly when he would leave when he accepted the Admiralty to go start heading up the Save the Romulans plan for to get them off before it exploded for Star Trek 2009 to happen. Mm. But I... I this was just a great fun little episode and I love how Cork got hoisted by his own petard yet again. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoyed that part there again. <laughs> not knowing a whole lot about Deep Space Nine as a show, I thought it was funny that be like be like this uh what was the alien species that kidnapped Quark? The Karimin, I think. Yeah, Karimin. Be like they I, get, they I kidnap don't him. Yeah. Under be like we have the like, oh my gosh, they they kidnapped Quark and we get this whole chase scene. And then they they break it down. It's like, oh, Quark actually stole technology from this, from from this alien species, and to, to make his. And I suspect it was before the Dominion War when he stole it. This Quark's two thousand replicator thing, though, did never showed up on the show. It, yeah. So where he got it, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm sure he did get this technology from somewhere, and probably it's something Rom cooked up his brother. Yeah who would not show up in the show because currently he's grand Nagus of the Ferengi Alliance, mm. the head honcho mm. who the, the Ferengi who did not have the lobes for business by his own, uh, admission, which is probably why <laughs> it's probably why that Ferengi staff was in the last episode that, uh, the, Archaeologist the archaeologist stole because he lost it because not because rom would lose that <laughs> sorry that's a weird thing i just went off on but um it's a i love how they they were i love the the relationships we saw between Shax and kira mm -hmm. that was great and i I loved how cork really did seem like his old self and falling into the same troubles he's he had in the show because he's not an idiot in the show he's yeah. just an opportunist mm -hmm. and he had an opportunity to use this technology that was probably been over there from the last time they traded that he couldn't get in touch with them because the dominion war was going on and this because it may it sound like this is the first time those people have been back since that point yeah. so which is roughly seven eight years i think from the end of deep space nine in universe to uh this episode yeah. i think seven eight years so yeah anyway gotcha so yeah that brings us i think to the end of this episode i think so uh next week the uh tas episode the lower decks episodes we'll be reviewing is a mathematically perfect redemption hmm. featuring the return of peanut hamper peanut hamper she was last seen in uh, her only other episode actually was uh, no small parts. Okay. She was the little Android that Tendi was supposed to show around who bailed on them at the last minute. Oh yeah. yeah. You'll remember. Cause they'll show that last scene oh, like, okay. at the beginning of this next got episode. It, got it, got it. In fact, this episode, next episode does not have the standard star Trek lower decks opening, hmm. but the other episode we're we'll be reviewing next week is crisis point two paradoxus paradoxus hmm a sequel to crisis point the rise of veritas from the first episode season oh the episode where they made fun of all the star trek movies yeah oh my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh this now they have to make a sequel and the sequels are never as good true except generally the even numbered movies in star trek are better than the odd numbered ones so you get to the uh, Abrams verse, and then it's backwards. Beside the point. Join us next week for that, plus our look at a, the small one. And uh, yeah, uh, in the meantime, though, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. 
and his letterbox at Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at G. George 759. His Twitter at G. George 759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts. Stitcher. Spotify. Or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell, with a single L. got be like deep face nine we're almost 15 minutes it's been three hours man like why did you have to go play that game for three hours man come on what are you talking about it's only 11 55 it's been 11 55 for the past hour oh hours. my gosh time to we, we got, what's going on we got all the time in the world we got time to kill ha 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 ha